Awesome. So we're here joined today by Mark Stenson, by Claudia Stenson, who is one of the co-founders of Hope Harbor, with Ben Wiener, who serves on the governing board and is the current treasurer at Hope Harbor. And we're just going to have a great conversation about what the ministry does, the vision that God has given you guys, how that kind of came to fruition and, and, and how that's been walking out. But we're also joined by Pastor Ray, our multi-site pastor here at Sioux Falls First. But Pastor Ray, why don't you kick us off today? All right. Well, hey guys, we're, uh, we're excited uh, to be able to focus on Hope Harbor today. Uh, as a church, we take one not-for-profit one not for profit every year and kind of highlight and support that ministry in a, in a kind of a, a, a way around our Christmas Eve service. And this year it's it's Hope Harbor. And we really thought that a lot of you pastors out there that listen to our podcast and, and ministry leaders would uh, gain some insight from hearing about a, uh, a God-given dream that takes root, uh, is provided vision, begins to grow. Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to ask some questions and I'm excited today to learn from you guys as well. So uh, we invite you in to kind of listen and uh, see if maybe the Holy Spirit would prompt something in your heart uh, as as he speaks to you, but then also uh, to give you an opportunity uh, to hear about Hope Harbor. There are families in your church uh, that uh, I'm sure could use the ministry of Hope Harbor. Uh, as a pastor, I've personally experienced a family who has uh, received incredible ministry from them. And so we want it to be both a resource uh, and inspiration for leadership and uh, and also a way that you can be involved. So we're glad you guys are here today. I'd love to just start with, uh, uh, Claudia, probably you, uh, just share a little bit of the story about how Hope Harbor came about. Okay. <clears throat> I would be happy to do that. Um, you know, Hope Harbor is, um, it came about as a result of, of a time when our own family went through um, a personal crisis with our, with our daughters. And as we were coming on the other side of that, um, I realized that um, we learned a lot and we had experienced a lot and we ran into a lot of roadblocks when, look, when we were seeking help. For, for our daughters, and not just our daughters, but our family. We knew there was something broken that needed to be fixed. And and um, as we came through the other side of it, I was on a walk one morning, and I just very clearly heard the Lord speak into my heart that he wanted me to take what we had learned from this experience. This experience he allowed us to go through, kind of like Joseph. Sometimes we have to go through tough experiences to get to where God wants us to be. And I was on a walk one morning, and I heard him um, just very clearly say, now it's my turn. I want you to take your time and your resources, and I want you to help other families who are in similar situations to yours. And so that's was the impetus for getting started with Hope Harbor. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so you... From there, what was the connection with, uh, I believe it was Karen Weiner, who was your co-founder? How did that kind of come sure. about? So the next step and the next thing that happened is, of course, I shared it with my husband, Mark, who is here today and my staunch supporter and probably the backbone of the ministry in a lot of ways. And I happened to um, go out to 
um, the insurance agency for business one day and started visiting with Karen, who we were good friends from church. And I said, Karen, I just feel the Lord has placed something on my heart that I need to do. And I shared it with her, and she said, hmm, that sounds interesting. (laughs) And then um, I also shared it with another good friend of mine from church who was studying to be a counselor, who was a counselor. And I said, Carl, I just feel the Lord is laying something on my heart to do, and I don't know what it is. And she goes, oh, that sounds interesting. (laughs) And then both of them called me later and said, okay, I think we're supposed to do this with you because God keeps putting it back on our hearts too. So what are we going to do? And I think that was the real journey that that was probably happened early in 2022. And um, we, um, we got together and with our husbands and we sat down one day and we said, okay, what is it we want to do? And we looked at lots of different things. We, we looked at a, uh, an aftercare program for people coming out of of prison or out of jail. We looked at homeless shelters. We did all kinds of exploring. And then we just, nothing was setting just right. We just couldn't find that one thing that just satisfied um, the call that God was making. And I, I clearly remember the three of us getting together one, one morning um, in my living room, sitting around my ottoman, I shouldn't say sitting, kneeling around my ottoman in our living room, and we just cried out, and we said, God, we're your vessels. Use us, but show us what you want us to do. And two weeks later, or three weeks later, I don't know exactly, God opened the door and led us to an organization called the National House of Hope. And Karen and I made a trip to Florida to go through a training on how to start a house of hope. And the minute we set foot on the grounds at the National House of Hope, we knew that that's what God had called us to do. And Hope Harbor, which started out as House of Hope, Minnesota, now Hope Harbor is modeled after the National House of Hope program. Wow, that's awesome. That is awesome. It's cool to see how God puts that vision in front of us. And then as we start to you know, spend time praying and fostering that vision, how he just kind of starts to open our eyes to see what the next steps are. And I think that that's an important part in any of us who are trying to lead or live our lives um, from a from a standpoint of following the vision that God puts in front of us is a little bit of patience to 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 really be able to honor God and do it the way that he wants it done, right? Because there's things that we can do in our own power, things that we can obviously try to make happen in our own will. But when we, when we take the time to really spend time in prayer, to foster these things that God puts on our heart, then the steps start to become clear. I loved how you said that right when you stepped foot at that in into that training, it was like the light bulb came on. You were like, Oh God, this is, this is the thing. Yes. That's good. Yeah. Um, And I I just, for our listeners, you know, the one thing that struck me that I just want to encourage people with is um, whether you probably realize it or not, you spoke out what God had spoken to you to people that you knew would be praying for you. Yes, indeed. And and that's just such a great leadership thing. Um, When we speak out what God has, you know, there's always that opportunity then for the Holy Spirit to begin to confirm that in others. You know, I think sometimes we want to guard maybe always who that is, but man, finding those people of prayer. 
Um, I'm going to pick on Ben for just a minute. Um, I'd love for you, our listeners have heard a little bit about the story of how Hope Harbor started. Would you give us just the, the, the nuts and bolts, the vision, and, and help them know what Hope Harbor is? Because I'm sure there's people listening today that have never heard of Hope Harbor and they don't know what the ministry is all, all about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 2002 is when you were um, kind of going through and, and, and having the, the vision and the idea for this. And um, if you've ever heard somebody just have uh, just a, a passion for something with a reckless abandon, I mean, there's just nothing that's going to get in their way. That's what this is. And, and it's very easy to, to follow those people. Um, yeah. and to climb on board. And, and um, the, the challenge then is, how am I going to, I mean, what am I going to do with this? Um, you know, the, you've got the burden, and, and you want to participate, and you want to help, but, um, you know, how can you? And, and um, the Lord does that. You know, he uses that. But the vision is, is really, um, you know, I think there are so many, um, there's so many challenges in today's world and in raising a family. And, you know, we know that, um, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But, but the principalities, we understand the spiritual warfare that's going on. And, um, there just really isn't that place to, you know, help a family through spiritual warfare. Uh, and, and I think there's a bit of, um, um, you know, maybe even a stigma about Mm -hmm. asking for help, um, but anybody that has kids can sit there and say, you know, maybe not last week, but the week before, I probably could have used, you know, a place that would give me a little bit of help. And, and that's what we want to do is, um, you know, speak to the soul. We're, we're spiritual beings in an earthly body, right? And I think we forget that a lot of times. We think we're, you know, these uh, earthly beings with a spirit. And we, we want to come alongside and, and remind you um, that your identity is in Jesus Christ. And with that, um, so much is, is possible. Um, and um, that's what, I think that's where we start. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and I would just add to, to that uh, what Ben is saying. In that, um, and sometimes, you know, people have questioned us, well, do you really need to do a residential type program because Hope Harbor is a residential program. Teens come and stay with us anywhere from 12 to 15 months. We realize that um, a three-month is just a a taste, and it takes a long time to really be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is one of my foundational scriptures that I, I used in the whole starting. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And sometimes you've got to move out of the rut, the place that you're at, into a totally different setting in order for you to let go of all of the outside noise that's coming at you. And, and you need to have a place. I, I like to say we built a refuge for healing mm-hmm. teens, a safe harbor. That was our original theme, was a refuge for hurting teens. We're a safe harbor where you can come and you're going to be loved right where you're at. 
You don't have to be perfect to be there. You're going to be loved right where you're at. And we're going to show you how to overcome your past hurts and the traumas that you've been through. We're going to give you the tools that will equip you to function in society. And not only that, we're going to show your parents how to walk alongside of you, which I think was one of the key things that we learned from the National House of Hope. Not only are we Christ-centered and biblically based, but we are a family program. This isn't about the teen that needs help. This is about the family that yeah. needs restoration and reconciliation to God. So you're a residential facility. Yes. Three locations. Yes. Parker, South Dakota. Correct, for boys. For we boys. can house 12 boys in Parker. Uh, Marshall, Minnesota. Right, and we can house six girls in Marshall. Okay. And remind me of the third location. Winona, Minnesota. Winona, Minnesota. And we can house six girls in Winona. All right. So 21 years, yep. three locations. Yes. So what was the biggest hurdle getting from an ottoman <laughs> on your knees, <laughs> a trip to Florida with a vision, to 21 years later? I mean, I, I you know, three residential facilities. And, and, and we're going to talk a little bit later even about the number of families, all this stuff. But what was kind of that, what was the biggest hurdle along the way? Well, at my age now, I could say getting off my knees. <laughs> no, I, I think the biggest hurdle was figuring out, you know, we had the model of the National House of Hope to go by, and we had um, some other individuals that I could use as a resource. But Minnesota, because we started in Minnesota, and Minnesota is very, um, what's the word I want? I don't want to say strict, but they're, there's a lot of rules sure. and a lot of regulations yeah, that we yeah. have to go through in order to operate such a facility mm-hmm. in Minnesota. And I think one of the biggest hurdles um, for us was getting licensed. We needed to have a license in order to operate as a residential facility. And we really, uh, it ended up with us having to go to the Department of um, human services, the licensing division, and, and Karen and Carla and I sat bet- before a, a panel of about, or a group of about 10 people, uh, uh, hammering us with why this and, you know, what do we need to do? And and um, so I think getting past that was really a big hurdle. I remembered so distinctly, um, and there that's where as a leader you really have to stand firm on, on your foundation. Because they said, well, if you just say you're faith-based, mm. we can give you a license. And I said, but we're not. Atheism is a faith. Witchcraft is a faith. We are Christ-centered and biblically based. Yeah. And that's wow. who we are. And that took a lot of courage. And I think that's a real important thing in, in leadership is to stand firm on what your calling has Absolutely. been. And so we left that day feeling like, well, the door's been shut on this. <laughs> However, God always opens the doors. And a, a phone call to a state representative, and two days later I had a call from the Department of Human Services saying we're willing to work with you, we'll get you a licensing wow. application. And that was April, and July 1 we were licensed. Praise Come God. On. Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if you think about, you know, who's who are we, you know, what, what do we do at Hope Harbor? We change lives generationally right i mean we're taking uh, the trajectory of families and turning it around 
Uh, and so what's the biggest hurdle in that? The enemy. I mean, easily. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? And Absolutely. so you drop the name of Jesus yeah. and, Ooh. you know. He stamps uh, his feet really fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No question. Yeah. 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 That, that was, uh, you know, that was uh, a big hurdle. But the other hurdle is just, you know, when we first started, it was like, what are we doing? You know, but God just was so faithful in showing us how to, how to work with these teens. And we've transitioned over the years. Um, you know, one, initially we were dealing a lot with one type of behavior, and now we're dealing with a whole new sure. world <laughs> of behaviors. Yeah. And so it's being willing to allow him to lead you and to go where he is calling you to go and to um, minister in the way that he is. And I think God meets us where we're at. And I think as leaders, we need to meet our teams and the people we're working with where they're at yeah. and, and allow that growth to happen together. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think all of us, as we follow God and live out this life that he's called us to, we learn that there's seasons where things don't always go as... You know, it's not as beautiful as we would hope or as easy as we would hope the process would be. And sometimes we find ourselves in that place of asking questions and but uh, but really having those seasons where the vision sustains us. And uh, and I know that that's that's the case with a lot of a lot of leaders, a lot of especially how God leads us and how trust in him and in his process is such a vital part in him completing his work. Um, it builds our faith. Yes. And so, you know, now here, I'm sure that your faith is at a completely different place than when it started just by some of the things that you saw God work through the process and, and anybody that's in a leadership position that, um, that when we're relying on God, it, it really does grow our faith and, and it gives us a unique standpoint to testify to what God has done and what we believe he can do. And especially when you introduce that to a generation of youth that, you know, a lot of them probably doesn't have the most solid background or understanding of who God is. When you can influence them from a firm foundation of faith, it's a life-changing thing. Yes. Um, I would love for, uh, for you guys just to share, each of you can share whatever, but just give us a quick testimony of, of a life you've seen changed, of uh, a family unit, um, uh, uh, maybe even a marriage that's been touched. But just just give us one that pops out to you real quick for our listeners. Well, you know, having um, ran the ministry for 15-plus years before I felt the Lord pulling me away and saying it's time for the next generation to step up, um, I think I, I still go back to our very first resident. Mm. And this was a young woman with severe mental health issues, um, um, some real trauma that had happened to her as a child, and her body was mutilated from, from self-harm and to the point where she would only wear dark sweatshirts and long pants and um, would never let anybody see her legs or her arms. And she would come down with her sweatshirt, her black hooded sweatshirt, pulled up over her forehead every day, every day when she'd come to the classroom. And, and um, 
I remember she came in in November. We took our first girls in the end of October, and she came in. She was one of our very first residents and came in in November. And um, I remember so distinctly watching the transformation take place in her. The day she brought down a pile of of jeans and asked her mom to take them home and make cutoffs out of them so she could (laughs) wear shorts. That was a true step. But the most beautiful um, thing that that I remember with her is we were sitting in the living room, kneeling on the couch, looking out the windows. And there was a beautiful flower garden out there. And we were looking out the window at at the flowers in the spring and just talking. And she said, Miss Claudia, the grass is getting green, is, is green. And I said, yeah. I said, things are really starting to turn, aren't they? And she said, no, you don't understand. I've only seen black and gray for so long. I forgot the wow. grass was green. We later went that day with two, her and another one of the girls, and, and we were driving um, to do a speaking engagement at a church, and every place, oh, look at that. That's blue. Oh, look at that. I mean, it was the most beautiful thing when God opened her eyes and she saw color again. And I think of the scripture, it says, her face, your face is radiant. It will never be covered with shame. And I saw the radiance in her face as she saw um, that, that transformation. She still struggles. She still has things. But she knows who she is in Christ and how she can cope with the things that come at her. Ben, anybody else? It's pretty tough to top. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, there's no question. It's, it's incredible when you have the opportunity to see um, life back in, in these young kids um, and, and the families. I mean, the, the parents and, and siblings. Um, I'm, I'm going to choose mine, though, which maybe you weren't, weren't looking for, but... Um, my history with the ministry goes back to um, this girl that I was dating in college. I really <laughs> liked her. I didn't let her know that, um, but she was going to leave. She was going to go back to Washington State and um, do an internship. She was a social work major. And um, I said, you know, uh, Mama, is there any way that you've got a, a job <laughs> maybe for this young lady? <laughs> And so she, uh, they did at the time, thank the Lord. And I remember uh, my wife now um, interviewing with, with Hope Barber and coming home and saying, Ben, you know, I'm not, I don't even know what a statement of faith was, mm. right? And, and both Leah and I, who had incredible models in, in parents and, and a wonderful upbringing, had both stepped away, you know, in those college years. And um, so in, in my wife getting a job there, She's taking the girls to different churches in the community, and her faith is growing. She is not the same person, and she invites me. Uh, she says, you know, there's this, there's this church close by. I think that you're, you'd really like it, and, and I want you to come with me one day. And, and uh, I did, and I walked in, and um, it was completely different from what, you know, what I felt like church was, and it, it completely changed my life. I mean, I, I became mentored then and, um, you know, moved to that community, uh, lived next door to the pastor, and, um, you know, so it, it, 
it completely changed our life. Uh, and, and it was, I'm forever grateful for that. I, I think that's a, a Ren brings up a really important point. And I'm going to have Mark share, um, I think Mark just share about the last uh, celebration of hope we were at in Winona, that family. But before you do, I'm just going to say one thing. You know, we talk about the transformation of the teens and the parents, but one of the most amazing things that I've seen happen at Hope Harbor is a transformation of the staff. Oh, yeah. We have young women, and I say women because most of the ones that I'm familiar with are women and men now with Hope Harbor here in, in Parker. But we, um, they come in, say, they have faith, they believe, and we've seen them really grab hold of their faith. So many of them said, when I started teaching, doing devotions and leading and mentoring, I realized, I mean, it helped me grow. And the growth we've seen in staff and the lives, the staff's lives that have been changed because of the work that God called them to do has been remarkable. It's truly, it isn't just about the teens we serve. It's about the staff that serves them as well. Yeah. So. <coughs> I've had the great uh, opportunity to attend Celebrations of Hope for 20 years, and it's the annual fundraiser that each of the homes have, and I've heard testimonials that uh, bring me to tears. I can never remember any event that I've not been there and just reduced to tears listening to these stories. And we're in Winona, uh, couple months ago and uh, uh, first of all the uh, resident gave her testimony and then uh, the parent and it isn't always the resident and the parent giving the testimonies but in this case it was the resident and her parents and I remember the mom saying that we had been through every type of secular help we could get every psychiatrist every psychologist every program And basically, the end result was always the same. This is who your daughter is, and it's not going to change. You have to live with your daughter the way she is. And the sooner you accept that, the easier it will be for you. And then they came to Hope Harbor Mm -hmm. and found out that that's not true. Wow. Wow. Amen. I... uh I'm going to share my testimony really quick with you guys that you're probably not even aware of. But um, I was pastoring a church, and uh, uh, as a pastor, every once in a while you get one of those <clears throat> desperate phone calls. And uh, and to you church leaders out there, you'll know what I'm talking about. But a, a family called me and said, we're struggling with our son. And we knew them. We'd had them in our home. Um, but they just said, we are at the end of our rope. We don't know where else to turn. Pastor, what can we do? And um, I called Pastor Quentin, Pastor of Sioux Falls first, and said, uh, hey, I got the situation, and I don't know what to tell this family. And he said, have you checked out Hope Harbor? And I said, not only have I not checked out Hope Harbor, I've never even heard of Hope Harbor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, I made a phone call. I'll fast forward the story. Um, about 13, 14 months later, I was sitting at Hope Harbor and Parker at a set cell graduation. Yeah. <laughs> and um, not only as a pastor to see this young man who 
would make eye contact, walk up, shake my hand, give me a hug. But to hear their parents, and the thing that I appreciated about the ministry was the requirement of the parents to come yes. and to, to do counseling and to, to receive mentorship. And I know they looked at me and they said, we have tools now to parent our son. And so um, just the power of that and that, that jumping into the lives of, of these young people. Man, I just say kudos to you guys for the work you're doing. Thank you. I think that parent component, and sometimes I, I even noticed in some of our recent literature, it was not specifically stated, and I, I called him on it right away and said, you need to fix this, because to me, that is what sets hope, other than being Christ-centered and biblically right. focused, it's what really sets Hope Harbor apart in that it's, it's really about the whole family. And parents we used to say to me, well, we, you know, we can only pay so much a month. We just don't have the resources. You know, it costs us about $5,000 a month to, per child. And we charge the families about 3500 But they said, we don't have that money. We don't have that kind of money. We can't pay for this. And I said, we'll work out the payment. But the one thing I won't budge on is you need to be here every week yeah. for parenting. Mm-hmm. And, and I always stood firm on that when I did intakes. And because you can't, you can't bring a child out and give them tools, equip them, prepare them, and then send them back to the same situation they were in before. And not that the parents were bad parents. Right. They just needed to parent differently with sure. this child. And so that was the one thing, and that's one of the things I think really sets Hope Harbor apart yeah. from, from other, from other uh, similar types of programs. I want to add one thing to what Mark said uh, about the family in Winona. To, at the end of it, the, um, the mother made an actual plea for, for funding, and she said, it isn't about the dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. It's about the lives. Yeah. And our daughter's life was saved. Praise God. Awesome. Mine too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Uh, why don't you guys talk a little bit about what the process looks like when someone gets accepted into Hope Harbor and uh, what, what the care looks like from that point on? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think where I'd like to start with that is we get asked often, What's your success rate? And um, it's, a, it's a really good question, an honest question. Um, but I think we have to define what that is. Uh, and for us, what success is, is, you know, it, it, it's equipping these families, these individuals, with the tools that they need to, to combat the spiritual warfare that's going to happen the rest of their life. It's... Um, reminding them or maybe even explaining for the first time that their identity is is in Christ um, you know it's it's planting those seeds um, you know to to blossom not only you know throughout the rest of their life but uh, hopefully to impact their kids and yeah. kids as kids yeah. and, and so on so um, would love to have you know just the, the visual for those of you who are listening today to just kind of understand what this process looks like so um, I think Claudia is probably in the in the best position to talk us through that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Let's just let's just talk about what a day in the life at yeah. Hope Harbor looks like. That's good. And 
So you you have a teen that comes in and, and is broken and hurting and angry. <laughs> I've heard many angry words over the years. And and we as I said earlier in, in the podcast, we meet them where they're at. And Ben talked about pointing them to Christ and, and how to in equipping them. Well, how do we do that? Well, the way we do that is first of all, they come out of the existing environment. They are in a sheltered place where they can learn, to, where they can heal. And while at Hope Harbor, they attend an on-site school, so they get their education. We've had, uh, we use the Accelerated Christian Education Program, and teens are in the classroom every day for about six to seven hours, where we have a teacher who works with them, and they're in the curriculum not only teaches the academics, but also the characters, characteristics, the character of Christ. And we have seen kids that have been behind in school, have been failing in school, excel, um, and become valedictorian. One girl became valedictorian of her class when she left, and she was way behind when she started. So we have an on-site school. I'm going to back up just a little bit. We have 24-hour care, so we have overnight staff, and I call those our prayer warriors. They're the ones that are monitoring during the night. They get the girls up in the morning, they get them ready, they feed them breakfast, and they have devotions with them. So we start every day with time of worship and devotion, and then they go to the classroom, and they spend six about six hours in the classroom. And also, um, in addition to the educational component, we also have biblical counseling. And so each week they have their session with the biblical counselor. Then they have group sessions with the biblical counselor or others. Um, And then they have uh, recreational activities after the school day where they're working. Because we believe that physical health is also very key to mental health. And so they have physical activities that they do. We also have them do service projects. Um, and because we believe that it's important for them to learn, the best way to get out of your own self-pity is to help somebody else. Yeah. And so we do service projects so that they're out in the communities helping, each, helping others. It also is a good PR for us to have our teens out in the community doing sure. things. Then the evenings are spent with, um, there's uh, one night a week we have chapel, and one night a week they do their service projects. They have Bible study. They are totally immersed in God's word Mm -hmm. throughout the whole day, but yet it's never pushed at them. And I think that's really important to understand. It's it's a free-flowing thing. I remember one girl who was going to run away one night, and after it all happened, and it things were settled, and she didn't go. I said, why didn't you leave? And she said, I looked around, and I saw the people working with us, and I thought, these people have something different. They have something I want to have, and I'm going to stay. So that's so it's those mentors. It's having somebody to talk to, somebody that will listen to you and not judge you and not be judgmental or not get emotionally pulled in you know sometimes we can talk to our moms or our dads but they get so emotionally pulled in they can't handle what you're hearing so it's having that mentorship and so it's 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 biblical counseling it's education it's mentoring 
it's Bible study, it's spiritual growth activities, it's doing things for others. Those are all components of the program. And then, as I said earlier, the most important, it, what I think one of the most important components is that every family needs to come um, weekly for parenting classes. Parents need to come weekly for parenting classes where we give them the tools. And we, we work with the teens and the parents, giving them common language. If we're talking about boundaries, both know what boundaries mean. If we're talking about love language, we know each other's love languages. Whatever skills we're teaching the teens, we're also working and teaching the parents so that they have a common language and they can communicate effectively with each other. And then parents have their own biblical counseling session as well. And just one, and it is a transitional program. They start out with not having any two first two weeks it's just orientation you're just getting over your anger (laughs) and then parents can visit on friday when they have their parenting classes they get a two-hour visit and then it transitions to a week every other weekend going home and then every weekend going home and then set sail and then following into our newly instituted anchored program which is our aftercare our structured aftercare program so claudia Claudia hit on something um, in not forcing the issue, right? Um, So what we really do is foster an environment that allows Mm self-discovery. And and when that happens with the Holy Spirit, I mean, you know, you're one of your favorite authors, Pastor Mark Batterson says, you know, we we work like it depends on us and we pray like it depends on the Lord. Well, I mean, there's nothing that we can do that comes close to what the Holy Spirit can do when that self-discovery takes place and, and mm-hmm. for families too, I mean, for the parents too. So it's a, it's powerful. That light bulb moment is, is unbelievable to, to watch. We're very thankful for, you know, um, parachurch ministries, these ministries that really do meet a, a prominent need, you know, and, uh, an important need. What, what would you say is a, an important way that the local church can support a ministry like Hope Harbor. Obviously, we, you know, try to try to bring awareness to a ministry like this as much as possible. We try to pray. You know, prayer is important. But but what are some practical ways that the local church could get involved in support? Do you want to take this one, Ben? Yeah, sure. I'd be be happy to. Um, you know, I, I think. One of the one of the challenges, and Ray hit on it, that we have is um, the awareness piece. Sure, right. Um, and and who are we, and and what do we do? Because we we're not um, a rehabilitation center. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we're not going to treat alcohol or drugs. However, if they're using alcohol or drugs, I mean, that leads to sure bad problems, right? Um, you know, so it, it's understanding where we fit in. Uh, into the into the model and and we want to we want to turn things around for this family before we're entering um you know crisis mode (laughs) yeah more crisis mode yeah yep exactly so uh, awareness is one of the big biggest pieces uh and i think the more that you learn about the ministry and what we do who we are the more you're going to understand uh and and likely you know have this tug uh, to get involved so um mentoring yeah it's huge volunteers um you know prayer of course um you know financially it it, we don't 
accept insurance, right? We don't have that opportunity because of that, because of that name, mm-hmm. right? And uh, or it's a different kind of insurance. Yeah. Um, you know, so you know, from a financial standpoint, that's some people's gift is yeah. to to generate revenue. So, however you um, you're gifted, whatever you whatever the Lord's given you, um, there's an opportunity if if you. Uh, understand who we are and, and who we serve. That's good. What would be a way that if people are looking for more information on Hope Harbor or how to get connected with them, whether that's to uh, set someone up to uh, start the process of, of going to Hope Harbor or even as simple as supporting Hope Harbor, what would be the process for them? The best thing to do would be to go to hopeharbormn.org. Okay. And go to the website, and it'll tell you how you can be connected. There's a survey on there for parents to take. Does my child does my child need Hope Harbor? There's career opportunities. There's everything is on the website, and that's the best place to go. And then from there, you can always make the phone call to one of sure. the, to any of the homes and the staff. The site directors are more than willing to share whatever they can and w- answer any questions. Yeah, I, w- I want to paint. Um, the experience probably yeah um you know a parent is is struggling and it's two in the morning and finally there's peace and quiet in the house and there's tears rolling down the face and they're on the internet searching what am i going to do next um and and they come across hope harbor and, and they go to the website and there's a survey that they take that says do you need um would Har- hope harbor benefit you and uh they get a perfect score and now they don't know what to do, right? Now they've got to make that that really challenging decision of um, coming to grips with, you know, I've, I've got to do this for, I've got to take this time, and it's a, it's a serious, it's a real time. Um, you know, nine months to a year um, is very real, and, and make that commitment um, not only for your child, but but for you and, uh, and your spouse. Um, that's... That's what that looks like. Oftentimes a, a phone call then happens to the house and, and there's somebody that can't wait to talk with you, to pray with you, to encourage you, um, you know, and to walk, to walk alongside you in this journey uh, in, in support. I just want to encourage people out there, uh, pastors, especially the one, those of you that are listening to our, our podcast. Um, there's a couple things. Go to the website, you know, those things. Um, but I would encourage you, uh, if you've not, uh, to schedule a site visit. Yes. Um, you know, for me, that was an incredible opportunity to go. One of the board members, not Ben, but actually one of the other board members, uh, just one day said, hey, I want you out here. And uh, and uh, and it was a wonderful experience. I got to watch a graduation. I got to see the facility. Um, got to see the rooms where they do counseling and meet with families. And so I would encourage pastors out there and leaders, Take the opportunity to do that. Um, if you want a night that will uh, ring out your your tear ducts, um, uh, had the opportunity to go to to the one here in Sioux Falls. There, um, remind me of the name of the Celebration uh, of Hope. Celebration of Hope. And uh, my wife and I spent half the night crying, um, but uh, to hear the testimonies because at the end of the day, as church leaders. We want to see lives change and families transform. So uh, I would encourage you as a church leader, those are a couple of things you can do to really um, catch a heart for what God's doing and have a resource, right? When we as pastors get those calls at uh, 
six in the morning going, I'm desperate, Pastor, what do I do? Awesome. What an incredible story that Hope Harbor has. And we know that there's still more of the story being written. And, uh, and just what a great example of when God put vision in front of you and you fostered that vision and God opened the doors and, and is showing you how to, how to walk that out so that people can experience uh, radical life change through Jesus Christ. It's amazing. It's an amazing testimony. Um, and we would encourage everybody who's listening uh, leaders to understand that when God gives us vision, it's important to foster that vision um, because he's got a plan and we can be a part of that plan. And uh, it's amazing to see that play out. But as we wrap up today, Miss Claudia, would you be willing to pray for us? Pray for any of those who are listening, mm-hmm. um, maybe people who are listening who feel like God is giving them vision for something that's down the road, but they don't know how it's all going to work out. Um, just pray for them to have confidence to trust God and, uh, and, and even maybe say a prayer for those who have no situations where um, young people are struggling, that there would be an encounter with Jesus, and maybe that would be through Hope Harbor. Okay. Oh, gracious God, it is with a humble heart that I come before you this morning giving you praise and thanksgiving that you allowed me and, and others, that you allow myself and others to be instruments of your love, of your salvation, of your hope, of your peace. And I thank you that you equip us. You don't call the equipped. You equipped the called. And I pray this morning for those leaders out there, those those individuals who are hearing this podcast this morning that have heard that still, small voice speak to them, Lord, that you would ignite a fire in them, a passion in them, and give them the courage to step out in faith, knowing that you go before them, that you open doors, or if you close a door, you open a window, that you send others alongside of them to encourage them, to support them. You didn't send Moses alone, you know. You sent Aaron along with him. And, Lord, you will do that as well for for those that you have called this day and this time for such a time as this. And so I pray for those those that you have given a vision to, not to put that vision away, Mm -hmm. not to forget the calling, but to move forward, to step out in faith. And Father, I just also pray this this morning that anyone who is in need of of help with their in their family, I've been one of those moms that was awake at two o'clock in the morning crying and wondering what in the world I could do, and I remember calling helplines and I remember calling and getting messages. We'll return your call in the morning, you know, Lord. That's not what parents need, and I just pray that. You will give them, um, that you will open their eyes to see Hope Harbor, that it is there. And actually, we have 24-hour daycare. You could call a Hope Harbor any time of the day, especially during the midnight hours, and somebody would answer the phone and take your call. So, Lord, I just pray that families who are struggling can admit that they need help and that they would have the courage to say, okay, Let's do this. And Lord, 
then allow you to do the transforming process because it's actually nothing we do. <laughs> We're just the place through which you work, the place and the people through which you work. And so I just pray for um, continued good works to be done in your name at Hope Harbor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Mark, Claudia, Ben, we're so thankful to get to hear the story of Hope Harbor, and and we're excited for the testimonies that are still to come Yes. and all that God's going to do. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us this time on the Leading Life Change podcast. We'll catch you in the next one.